Thank you so much for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or you're simply catching up on a message that you missed, we're so glad that you are connecting to God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you'll experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word Give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. With that being said, Pastor Debbie, once you come on over, would you stand with me um, as we have, out of respect for God's word, we will read from Exodus, or Genesis, not Exodus, Genesis chapter 27. Now, the crazy thing about the Holy Spirit and God is that if you're reading with us as a church today um, through the Bible this year, well, the passages that we are going to preach on today, we're in your reading today. If that isn't God, I don't know what is. Amen? Amen. Amen. We are going to read from Genesis 27, verses 30 to 40. I will read one, and then you will follow along out loud with Pastor Debbie. Hear the word of the Lord. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Verse 31. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked him, who are you? Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Verse 33. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it, and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard this, his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Esau said, your brother was here, and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for he now has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as a firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved one blessing for me? Verse 37. Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give you, my son? Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Verse 39. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, you will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. Let's pray. And I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, will be pleasing in your sight. As the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, Pastor Debbie. You can have a seat. Anybody glad that they're here this morning? I believe that many of you are gonna be surprised. The message I'm about to share with you has been stirring in my spirit for nearly three months. God gave it to me in my prayer closet. That's a good place to hear God, is it not? And I was praying and trying to figure out when was the appropriate moment and when did he want me to share this message? 
If you were here last week, that was a prophetic message. Today's message is a shepherd's message. Can I put on different hats? Is that okay? And so today's message would be, would be entitled, The Father's Blessing. You see from the passage in which we just read. Now let me just say a couple of things before I jump in. First, to the mothers in the place. This is not a Father's Day message. This is not a message to directly to dads. But I do want to say to the mothers, you have been the foundation for our families. What you have done and how you've served and loved our children unconditionally is beyond anything that I can put words into. And we are grateful as a church for every mother who has given to their family. Yes or no, church? Can we say, give it up for our mothers here this morning? But I do want to talk about the Father's blessing. We live in a day and age right now where four out of ten of us are growing up without a biological father in the household. That's nearly half of the people in this room and half of the people listening to me online right now. I am one of them. If there's one thing that is true, the enemy, Satan, wants to do, and that is to destroy the family. If he can destroy the family, he destroys the church. I remember in the 90s when they were talking about it on the radios and the preachers. We're seeing the reality of it in 2022. So I must tell you today that we are facing an epic battle before us. Fatherlessness is an epic in our society. Epidemic, abandonment. We have people that they're physically not there, but we also have fathers in uh, in our situations that they are physically there, but they are not there emotionally and spiritually and somehow rationalized by making the money and going to work that that is sufficient. The consequence of this dilemma in which we find ourselves in is what I would call pseudo-fatherhood, finding other influences that we were all created with. Every single one of us, it doesn't matter our age or our gender. We were created by God with something in our hearts that would enable us to have this blessing from our our earthly fathers. And if we don't get it, what we do is we replace it with other relationships. We replace it with certain types of achievements, with certain types of titles, and we don't even know that's why we're doing what we do. There's a stark warning from the prophet, Malachi. He says in chapter four, verse six, Unless, unless the father turns his heart toward his children, the land will be cursed. Unless the fathers turn their hearts toward their children, the land will be cursed. We are experiencing that today in our own country, the United States. I believe Malachi's prophecy is truly being played out. We can change that right here and right now. One thing that I'm trying to get across, if you can hear my voice, is I am here for healing and deliverance. That's why I'm talking about this. So you may find yourself in one of three categories. You may find yourself literally in a fatherless upbringing where there was no biological father in the household. You may find yourself that you were in an upbringing where the father, as I said, was present in the household, was not there emotionally, and was not there um, spiritually for you. And the the smallest group is the group of you who actually were raised in a household where your dad was there in all ways that he's supposed to be there. Not perfect, 
but he was there physically, and he was there emotionally, and he was there spiritually. This passage that I just read for you is very, very simple. If you don't get anything, it's this. It's the cry of a son for his father's blessing. He wept and he screamed out, Father, bless me. I found myself getting emotional as I was reading it. And you may not know it here today and you may not have echoed Esau's words in this passage, but I assure you, if you've never experienced it, it is in your heart and you are crying out for it. My prayer is that you and I understand that God wants to do that for us and reveal that to us. Some of us here, we may be 50, 60, 70 years old, but we're still back at nine years old crying for our dad even though they're long gone for that blessing from him. Now let me clearly define what I mean by blessing. Two, two words, two things I wanna share to you. The first is the Hebrew word for blessing is barak. And barak literally means to be accepted and to be approved. That pretty much sums it up. Men, we were created to come alongside our children and to accept them and to approve of them. Many of us have never had the Barak blessing. The second that we see here in this passage is what we would call the covenant blessing, the spiritual blessing, the blessing that brings the, to the next generation what God is all about. That's what Esau was crying out for. Where did that start? We see in Genesis chapter 12, it started with Abraham. And God blessed Abraham and he allowed Abraham to know him. And the purpose of that was simply that Abraham then would pass it off to his sons and them to their sons. They all knew about it. And Esau was desiring this spiritual blessing. And yet we pass this thing forward. Now let me give you three simple notes from this story that I think will find helpful for us. And then I would say to you, please don't check out because we are doing something at the end that will, could be life-changing. The first note that I would say from this story is this, Jacob stole the blessing. Jacob stole the blessing. Will somebody say, I'm blessed? blessed. Say it again, I'm blessed. blessed. Now we already realize there's something going on that's sideways in this family. You jump back, if you have your Bible still open, you jump back two chapters in chapter 25, and we see that favoritism is already ruling the day. In chapter five of Genesis, we see that clearly Isaac sees Esau as his favorite son, and he made no bones about it. Why? Because Esau was a man of the land. He was a hunter. He was a man's man, and Esau loved that. But Jacob, he was a mama's boy. He loved to stay home, and he loved to cook. And he was, he, was the, he was Rebecca's favorite. So they were set up for a problem. And as we move forward to the chapter that we read, the first four verses, now Isaac's getting old. He's blind. He's at the end of his day. He knows he's to pass off the spiritual blessing, the covenant blessing. And he calls Esau in. And what does he say to him? Hey, son, I, I want you to go get my best game. Go out and hunt. Cook it. Bring it back. And I will give you my blessing. The only problem is that Rebecca overhears it, scripture says. And we know this is gonna go really bad. So she goes to her favorite Jacob. You know, they're twins, if you didn't know that. I'm a twin, I get it. And, and, and Jacob, and them, as they were coming out, one's holding onto the heel and all that. I used to always joke, my sister was born first and seven minutes before me, and I've always said, ladies first. <laughs> I was in no rush, praise the Lord, right? But not these two, they were at it from the very, very beginning and so 
she realizes and, and creates this plan, if you know the Bible, and she's like, ah, your, your brother's really hairy, so I'll put hair all over you, and I'll put his clothes on, and he'll smell like you, and I know how to cook. That's the dish that Esau will cook, and I will cook that. Then I want you to go into your father, who's on his last days, he's blind, go in and serve him, and he will give you the spiritual covenant blessing. That's exactly what happens. Goes in and does exactly that. Now, we see in verse 28 and 29 of chapter seven, what does the spiritual blessing literally look like? When we say that, what does that look like? First is that it's intimate. He kisses him. What does he say? You sound like Jacob, but you smell and you feel like Esau. And definitely this game is from you, right? It's intimate. And then the second part of the blessing is he blesses him with abundance of, of harvest and all the resources he needs. Needs. And then he blesses him with influence. He will lead. And then he gives the Abrahamic blessing down. Whoever curses you will be cursed and whoever blesses you will be blessed. That is the blessing that he passes off to Jacob. Craziness. Now, what I've tried to do with my three kids and all three, well, two of them are here and one's sitting at home with surgery, had a foot surgery, but two of them are here. I have tried to continually as they were being raised to bless them as a Barak blessing of approval and of acceptance, but also the spiritual blessing that would go on to the next generation, right? I even did that when my daughter Michaela and Christian was, were married right here on this stage. And I stepped out of my pastoral role and I literally put a blessing on them. And I gave a blessing on them and said, I bless your household and your ministry and your marriage and your relationship and God willing, the kids that will come from you. Then I had Christian's father who was sitting right here come up and he gave, a, he gave a blessing, a prayer upon them. That's what was happening right then in that passage. That's what we are to do as fathers, as God calls us to do. Now, the crazy thing about Jacob, you already saw it written here, is that Jacob's name literally means deceiver. And he has done it over and over again and he stole this from him. And my question that I ask myself as I read this and you should ask the question yourself is why would God allow Isaac to bless someone whose character is so messed up? Anybody ever thought that? What you up to God? The answer is simple. The blessing, the passing of the blessing is not the end goal, but it's the starting point. It's not where Jacob was. It's where Jacob will be. God had the long-term vision. He didn't see immediate. And we know because we get to read this hindsight in chapter 32 that something happens miraculously. Jacob gets another blessing. And he gets a blessing from whom? The father. And he wrestles with him all night. And guess what happens in that wrestling? His name is changed. He's no longer Jacob the deceiver. He is now Israel, the father of the nations. The point is very clear for all of us. The Father's blessing is for everyone, regardless of where they're at. That's what we are to do as earthly fathers. Does this make sense to anybody? And I'm preaching fast, but hey, we got some more to go. Is that all right? I heard Brant saying up here when he was doing his, uh, his prep work, he's like, Point number three he was talking about, he said, Pastor Mick's notorious for going 25 minutes to 30 minutes in his third point. I said, I heard that. He said, I knew you would. 
And then I said to all the staff this week, did you know that this week Christianity Today came out and they interviewed all of you all and nine out of 10 of you Christians said the following, we want longer sermons with more content. And I said, hallelujah. Because I break all the molds, don't I? 20, 25 minutes, get out. You're like, KCC, uh-uh, you can get out 25 minutes. That's just his third point. God have mercy, right? I don't know where that came from. Let's go to point number two. Esau begs for the blessing. Esau begs for the blessing. Somebody say, bless me. Say it again, bless me. We see in chapter 27, verse 34, immediately, almost immediately, Esau and Isaac see what has occurred and they both have a physical reaction. The father has a reaction physically. Esau wails over this moment. Bless me too, father. Bless me too. Breaks my heart. Because I've already said, you probably have never said that. But your heart has been longing from that from the day you were a child. You don't know it, but that's what you've been longing for. We've so complicated it. You hear my voice and you're begging your entire life for your father's blessing. You didn't even know why. why. And as I talked about why God allowed Jacob to have it, it wasn't just because of the long view of Jacob, but it was also because if you look at Esau, he wasn't the guy that got it completely right. You remember back in chapter 25, he was a man of immediate results. He was out hunting, as you remember, and he couldn't, he didn't get any game, and he was, thought he was starving to death, and he comes to his brother, the deceiver, and the deceiver's like, hey, he's like, hey, he's cooking, because he's a mama's boy, right? And he's cooking, all these stereotypes. He's cooking, and as he's cooking, Esau's like, can I have some food? And he looks at him, and he's like, I'll, on one point, you sell me your birthright, and I will give you some food. He gives it up. He says, what good is it if I'm dead? So he gives it to him. And what we realize that Esau doesn't understand is that his birthright and his blessing were connected. He didn't get it. And here's the point we learn from Esau. What we learn from Esau is he begs for a blessing right now from his fathers. He lived his life the way so many men live their lives. They want immediate results now. I want it now. We see that with our physical world. That's why pornography is where it is today and it's destroying us. We see it as it relates to the mighty dollar and not being there for our family because we just have to have one more and one more and we can never have enough. Why couldn't Isaac give back his blessing? He said, I can't. What you don't understand in this culture, which we can learn from, your word was your word. Once you gave a vow, once you gave a blessing, it was done. Do you know that Jesus told us that in Matthew chapter five, I think verse 37. He tells us to live as people of integrity. He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But we have walked away from that and we can't trust anything that anybody says because our words have been cheapened over the years. But in that culture, once it's been spoken, it's been spoken. And what we see in the final tally of this is that Esau finally gets a blessing in verse 40 of chapter 27. And to summarize what he basically gets is what? He gets to be freed under the yoke of his brother. He's promised you're not, the deceiver's not going to continue to trick you. You're gonna be free. That's my blessing I have for you as it relates to this situation. The key point with this second um, item is this, never settle for less than God's best. Don't settle for the immediate. 
Don't settle for the immediate. God has so much more than we could ever dream or imagine. That's been the, that was the biblical foundation I wanted to, to lay for you. Because my third point has nothing really to do with this passage, but it's an application. And the third point is this. You were created for the blessing. You were created for the blessing, whether you know it or not. Somebody say blessed. blessed. Say it again, blessed. blessed. I will say this to you, though. Do you know that if you have Jesus Christ in your life today, you are a part of that blessing all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. When God said to Abram as old man, you will be blessed, then he, and you will be blessed, and then you will bless the nations, right? And then he goes to, he takes them to chapter 15 of Genesis, and he says, hey, Abraham, look up in the sky. You see those stars? Yes. He said, can you count them? No. He said, that's how numerous your descendants are gonna be. I take you to Galatians chapter three, verses six and nine, and the writer says this, and all of you who believe in Jesus are now descendants and children of Abraham. The beauty is that when he talked to him in Genesis chapter 15 and he told him to look up into the sky, he was thinking about you and he was thinking about me. We are now a part of that blessing, every single one of us. But here's the problem. The problem is simply this. That challenge that we face as a church is that there are too many to count who have never had the spiritual, the covenantal blessing actually passed on to them. Never had it happen. Some of you have stories similar to mine. I experienced the Abba, Daddy, Father of Heaven supernaturally. I was just saying that to my daughter yesterday at the coffee shop, that this has so changed my life. I can never and will never ever be able to truly ex explain what happened into this teenage kid when the Abba daddiness came in to me, changed me from the inside out. I've given my life to do what I do. Even as I preach this to you today, I've been under attack over the last weeks from last week's message to this week's message, spiritually and physically. I went to bed last night, could hardly I get words out to my wife. That's how heavy the price it is to give you what you need to hear. I texted one of my mentors today to pray and friends and he said this, stop being so arrogant and prideful. Tell your people to start joining with you. Don't tell them to be consumers. Tell them to stand in the gap with you to pray and believe God for the kingdom moving forward. I say to you today, if you've never experienced the Abba Father, which is the most important, the relationship with Jesus Christ, it is simple. Just tell him I need you, I want you. Come into my life, because I'm not doing so well. Confirm it, prove it, because that's what I said to him, I said prove it to me. And he proved it to me, that it would be real for you. But here's the point, it doesn't just rest with him in heaven. We were created, we were created to have relationships with our fathers on earth but that has not been possible for a lot of us. Now it's time again, God help us, for me to be vulnerable. The picture you're seeing That's my dad, he's 82 years old. 
It's a complex relationship. I don't even know if he, sometimes he listens. He might be listening. I don't want to ever malign him. I don't ever want to beat him up, tell you that he's this horrible person. But in 1974, I was eight years old, he walked into the room and he said to my older brother and my twin sister, your mom and I will no longer be living together. And some of you are like, what's that? It's not a big deal. That happens all the time. In 1974, that, wasn't a big, that was a big deal. I remember going to school and everybody looking at me going, now you're weird, man. Right? And I don't know why the way God created me, but there was something inside of me as a little lad. Sorry. hear your father say, I love you, I'm proud of you, I believe in you, you are special, you've got this, I'm here for you. I remember when he was leaving, I was eight years old, I see the, I was stuck there. He walked out, 1311 River Drive, Marion, Indiana, across from the Missinewal River. He walks out, gets on his motorcycle, and I go after chasing him. And all I can see in the picture in my head is this eight-year-old boy, all I can see is the back of me screaming, don't go, Dad, don't go. Don't go, Dad, I wanna go with you. He said, no. And you see, all I can see, I was stuck as an eight-year-old there with my little body, waiting for my dad to turn around. know the rest of the story but I came to know Christ a few years later that made a huge difference for me right but I didn't understand this thing called blessing and then my wife revealed something to me and that's what wives do God is so good he's so good he started to bring in these other men in my life she looked at me one day and she's like you notice you have all these men that are your dad's age and you're, you have these great relationships with them. And all of a sudden, that's bringing something to you. For the next photo is Ross Biondo. Ross, welcome to KCC from Florida. Ross is an Italian of all Italians. And he talks Italian, he acts Italian, and boy, does he love pasta. <laughs> I met him at one of my churches and we'd, 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 we would get together and we'd talk Jesus and Jesus and Jesus and more Jesus. And when I told him to watch because I'm going to have him in line, he's like, well, what did I ever do? I said, you loved me and you spent time with me. There was a moment in ministry that I was struggling really hard. He had already moved to Florida and he said, I told him about it. He's like, just fly down here. Remember that, Ross? Just fly down here. I spent a week with him. He didn't fix the problem. He didn't say anything magical. He was just Ross. But he was that moment that I needed in my life and throughout, and we still are in contact to this day because he believed in me and he cheered me on. And he was there for me. The next photo is Don Bray. 
Don Bray, I've known since I was a teenager growing up in the same city as he was working. He was also my boss. He was the director back in the day of Global Partners, which is the mission agency that I was sent out from. And the crazy thing about Don, if you knew him, he's a unique guy. Now, Don's going to watch this later because he's still at 80-some years old working on a staff at a church. But he had this ability to, to speak directly into my life, but then he gave me the tough love. You can do better, son. But not in a way that it was performance-driven, but, but he really did want the best for me. And all, I wanted to please him so desperately. More importantly, I wanted to please Jesus, but I wanted to replace him. And I didn't know why, because of my situation. Thank you, Don. The next one is Norville Brewer. Lives in San Diego. He's 85, 86 years old. Sorry, Norville, if I didn't get it right. I know it's three hours earlier for you. He's a retired captain of the fire department of San Diego. Brilliant man. Well-read. Now, here's the thing about all of these men. They all have their own tribes. They all have their own children. They all have their own grandchildren. They don't need they don't have a need to have somebody else to come in, an adult that's got daddy issues. And Norville and I, we, we, my wife and I, we, we vacation. We love San Diego. And we're out there with he and Cheryl many, many times. And as we're out there, he and I talk about everything. He's a safe person. It's one of the few times I talk politics because I never talk it to anybody here. And you know why that. Am that right, Norville? We talk church. We talk theology, we talk family. I remember going on a walk with him on Coronado Island and him just believing in me in that moment when I was trying to figure something out. Playing that role, thank you, Norval. Next photo, Doug Gamage. I met Doug at Stony Creek. Doug's watching, he lives in Indiana now and he and I met for 10 years every Wednesday for lunch and Doug is this man who cares. I've never seen anybody care for his kids and his grandkids like Doug does. They're all believers. He emails them and texts them and gives them verses and he's like engaged like I've never seen anybody engaged with his family. And we've talked about everything. But again, Doug, you believed in me, you cheered me on and you were there for me and you loved me. Thank you, Doug. And the last you see is Don Vandenbrink. Don is actually lives in Holland, Michigan, and he and his beautiful wife, Joy, are in the front row with my wife, Melanie. Don, would you stand for me, if you would, and turn around to the congregation? Would you give Don a hand? <laughs> Don knew me before I was in anything. I was just a peon that just graduated from Taylor, he and Joy. And I was friends with his oldest son, and I needed a place to live in Holland because he and Kevin, Kevin and I were going to work the summer job before I went to seminary. And, and here's the crazy thing about that moment. I knew Jesus. I took the classes on what it meant to be a husband and a father, but I'd never seen it. Then I went into his house for two or three months, and I watched this man love his three boys uniquely. I watched once when he would put, he doesn't remember, it's a little cartoon character on Brian's door with tennis. This is me beating you at tennis, meet you at the courts at 4 p.m. And when Kurt was going through a tough time, Kurt, I will, uh, I'm gonna get, meet you at the hot tub and we're, we'll talk through this. I watched the way he treated his wife, Joy. 
how he led his family. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. But he was there spiritually and is there spiritually, there emotionally, and he did the Barak, the acceptance and the approval to his boys and their beautiful families. But I got a little residue from it all. And he and his wife not only blessed me as a college grad, but we went back to that church many years later as we went to go overseas for nearly a decade. This couple was the couple I went to and said, would you be the people that will be in charge of everything that happens to support us from this church's perspective? And they did. And they flew over when we were crashing and burning and having pity parties about how tough it is where we were at. They were there on a plane. When our Michaela woke up one morning and her eyes, boop, and they dropped. And we were just newly there and I called them and we figured everything out and got her back immediately to get her fixed. He served, Don served that role to me in each, as each of the men. And it was simply because he saw me, he loved me, he valued me, and he cheered me on. Thank you, Don. Why did I give you those three or five or whatever it was? Because God has this incredible way of doing what we can't get ourselves. Now let me go back to my dad. You know what's happened with all that? So I actually have a better relationship with my dad today because of this experience. I no longer expect my dad to be something that he can't. I never expect him to give something he can't. I let him be who he is. And at 82 years old, I'm not gonna beat him up. I'm going to love him for who he is. And I stand before you today as not only somebody that finally got the Barak, the approval and the blessing, but I got the spiritual blessing. And the one thing that I would say to my two of my kids and the other one that is home. Dang, it's a tough day, isn't it? I, for those of you new, it's like, I don't do this. I usually preach in a mile a minute. The greatest thing that I want in my life is that I did that with my children. As much as I love you and as much as I want to lead you, that's the core of my life. It will always be that. Some of you listen to my voice today you may have, you still got opportunity. You still have opportunity if your kiddos are in the household. You can make a left or a right needed. Maybe you're older and your kids are adults and you need to have that phone call or that visit because that's where healing will come because you don't know that your heart is screaming out for this. Because here's what I know to be true. And that is this, many of you will be like me if you don't get this blessing, if you don't get this Barak. All my life until I got it, you know what I was doing? Hey God, did you see this? Did you see that? All my list. I, I went to an unreached area and started a house church movement. I opened up four new fields. I preached at this place and that place. I did all, and I could go on and on and on and on and on and all this stuff. And I was like, God, did you see that? And the whole time, it never sufficed. Why? Because I didn't have the most important thing in my life, which is the blessing and the Barak approval. It doesn't matter what you do. I love you and I see you and I value you regardless of where you are and what you think and what you do. You are loved. You are loved. Does this make sense to anybody? All right. Now I'm gonna land the plane here and this is gonna be really important, but I got another illustration I wanna give. Come on out, Paula. I am a Rocky fan. Anybody like the Rocky uh, thing? 
All right. They tell me that Rocky V was the worst of all movies. That's where we have Tommy Gunn. And Rocky V, it's the last. Go ahead. It's the last 15 minutes. See, Tommy goes to Rocky. He admires Rocky, doesn't he? He says, Rocky, will you mentor me? Will you train me? And Rocky says, as an older man, I will, I will. And he trains Tommy. And Tommy, it goes to his head. He becomes arrogant and messed up. And in that last scene, if you remember, he punches Rocky's brother-in-law. I always felt like he deserved it anyway, but none of us. Then he offended Rocky's son. And in that moment, the rumble was on. But Tommy is too young, too quick, and too powerful for the older Rocky. And he tears into Rocky. And Rocky is thrown into the gutter. He's laying there bloodied and messed up. Do you remember? And he begins to think. He starts to try to motivate himself. I gotta get up. And you remember, he got this little view and he starts thinking about Apollo Creed, the greatest of all time, and Rocky one and two, and how he finally defeated the greatest of all time. And even the thought of Apollo Creed couldn't get him out of the gutter. Then he went, if you remember, to Rocky three, he went to Clubber Lane, Mr. T. And Mr. T tore into him and yeah, he was motivated and he took it to Clubber Lane, but even that couldn't get Rocky out of the gutter. Then he goes to Rocky IV, the Russian assassin, Drago. And he thinks about how he went to Moscow and he defeats the, the Drago and gets the entire Russian audience to sing the national anthem. It's amazing. But even that couldn't motivate him out of the gutter. And then he remembers Mickey. Mickey. He's dead. The old rough trainer, Mickey. And when he's laying on the mat, do you remember? With the only way that Mickey could. Get up, you bum! Get up, you bum! Get up! Mickey loves you! Get up, you bum! Mickey loves you! And then you know it's gonna happen because dun dun da dun da dun dun da dun. And any man knows what I'm talking about because the adrenaline starts to go, right? I made my wife and my mom crazy because when that thing came on, man, I was doing the, come on, any other men start doing this? Dun, dun, da, da, dun, da, da, dun, da, da, da. And he gets up and he tears into Tommy Gunn and the rest is history. I'm here to tell you today, some of you are in the gutter and Jesus is saying to you, get up, get up out of your depression. Abba, Daddy loves you. Get up out of your difficulty because Abba, Daddy loves you. Get up out of your sin. Get up out of your hopelessness. Get up out of your pettiness and your brokenness and your relationships and your doubt. Get up because Abba, Daddy loves you. He loves you. Here's what we're going to do. If you check out now, then the sermon is a failure. I've asked 10 men who I respect greatly, and they're gonna do something for us. Those 10 men, get up now and go to your spots. 
And as these 10 men come, here's what we're going to experience. This is more than just us standing here and hearing a great sermon. But this is our moment of responding to the blessing of the Father. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do in a moment. The worship team's gonna be here. You can come on up, worship team. And we are going to have the decision. I don't know whether it would just be one of you or where it could be 400 of you. But I'm gonna give you an opportunity right here and right now, like those five men did in my life, to do the following. That you would know as you hear my voice, that you need to hear these words and make the declaration to you. You may, they may, you may be older than them. It does not matter your age. Doesn't matter whether you're female or male, but they are gonna make this declaration. They're gonna barack you. You are loved. You are of value. You are proved and you are accepted. Then they are going to pray a spiritual blessing prayer over you. Do I believe this will solve everything? No, but it's a piece of the puzzle. It's the beginning of you and I to have freedom and healing in our lives. So here's what I've prayed, and this is what I've been carrying for the last months. Those of you can hear, and those of you online, you think, well, how can I do that? We've already set it up. There are men online. If you need the blessing, they are now there for you to engage, and they are gonna give you instructions for those of you online how to receive the blessing from men online. But those of you in the sanctuary, I want you to stand with me right now. Go ahead and stand. As I've already said, they are going to, here's, maybe you already have received the Barak and you have already received the spiritual blessing. What do I do, pastor? Then you need to be praying for those that are waiting and you need to be worshiping while we worship. Is that okay? Now here's the instruction because I don't know from the galleries to the balcony to the main floor. If there's so many of you, I want you to come in the aisles, come down and in the aisles and wait for the next available person. And we're gonna wait till everybody receives this blessing. This is your moment for you. And again, it does not matter your age, doesn't matter if you've never had this, this is your opportunity to begin allowing that part of your heart to be filled. Does that make sense? So Lord Jesus, now you know, I've given this yours, whether it's one or whether it's 400, you know exactly what needs to happen. I pray you'd give people the courage and the boldness to say, enough is enough, I want the blessing and I want these men to serve me in that regard. In Jesus' name, amen.